0: Hello, and my name is Pete Rushmer, and I'm your host today of a Half Dozen Things podcast. A Half Dozen Things is a podcast for business owners just like you. Whether you're an underdog hungry for success, or you're already smashing it but want to continue to level up, we are here each week for you to get insight and learning from the very best in the business. No fluff, no BS and no self-proclaimed gurus talking about how easy business or life is. Just real, raw and frank conversations. My curiosity and impatience in seeking success has encouraged me to create a Half Dozen Things podcast. I designed it to bring you simplicity and discovery back to the forefront of your lives. We are all such busy people, it's easy to overlook the simple things we could be doing to achieve wealth, success and happiness. Hi, I'm really excited today to be joined by Lee Martin. He's the CEO of 2J's Training and HR Consultancy Limited. He has over 30 years international experience in HR and L&D as a senior manager, trainer, coach and consultant to blue chip global organisations, SMEs and public sector bodies. For the last 17 years, he's been at the helm of 2J's. He steered them from startup to multi award winning international provider of management, leadership, and team development solutions. From New York to Dubai, Cape Town to Sydney, Munich to Manchester, and Schiphol to Saudi, Lee has worked across the globe. As a motivational trainer and coach, Lee has worked with high performing individuals at all levels from CEOs, exec teams, VPs, MDs, all the way to frontline staff too. As a business advisor, he has worked with hundreds of SMEs and entrepreneurs to improve their leadership, management and HR capabilities to help grow their businesses. As an author, Lee has written Leadership and Coaching Best Practice Guides, which share practical insight from his work within organisations and knowledge as a leading consultant. Having been in business with 2Js for 17 years, he's seen recession, global stock market crashes, austerity, the online revolution and the growth of the micro-business sector – Lee is well qualified to share the secrets to successful business. Hi then, hello everyone um, and welcome to a Half Dozen Things podcast. I'm joined today by Lee Martin from 2Js. Hi Lee, Hi, yeah. thanks for joining us. No problem, uh, take care. And uh, we're uh, we're still on lockdown. Um, it's nine in the morning, so I find myself in the garden. For those that are watching on YouTube, you can see the backdrop of the fence. Uh, the reason for that is the kids uh, are recording at nine, so the kids will be fairly charged up by half nine, unfortunately. So they'll be getting quite loud. Um, and I just have got fingers crossed because my neighbour across there actually sounds like Pingu when he gets going. So um, hopefully he won't he won't come outside. But yeah, uh, welcome Lee, and uh, and thanks for joining us. I really really appreciate it. So we're going to be talking about your half dozen things. So first of all, your, your, your first one's around knowing your goal, being clear on what your purpose is. Are you able to just sort of talk to me a bit more about that, Lee?
1: Yeah, sure. I think, um, as you well know as well, it's something about your business and um, get, getting involved in business. There's so much uh, noise out there and uh, so many distractions. I think the temptation is to try and be the master of all trades, etc. However, if you're clear on your your purpose and your goal, as you you kind of grow your business, as you develop your business, uh, as you get your customer proposition out there, being crystal clear on knowing what you're doing and why you're doing it enables a clearer message to go out to your customers. And there's a lot of Reading out there, leadership gurus, um, Siniak, Simon Siniak, talks about knowing your why. Um, and it's right. It's, it's all about having a clear plan. Um, and once you have that plan in place, um, you're able then to subsequently check it. So going back to the uh, the plan, do, review, action principles that we've applied in, in our business, it enables you to revisit that goal, that plan, to make sure it's still relevant to the environment, so to uh, the customers. And uh, as we're experiencing at the moment, lots of change going on in the, in the world of economy and business. So it's again an ideal opportunity to do exactly that. Just check yeah. your goal.
0: Are Perfect. you doing the right thing? And, and how often How often do you look at your goals? Um, do, you, do you do them quarterly or monthly?
1: Yeah, it, it depends on the, uh, the circumstances. Are. We, we uh, as a rule, do it annually. So we reset our goals. Um, our goals for the year part of uh, our plan we, we have a five-year business plan which uh, constantly gets reviewed every year but in the uh, <laughs> unprecedented circumstances like we've got now it does force you to, to kind of rethink them more frequently than annually and we've just done that as an exercise about two or three weeks ago just again to check our proposition and our intention as our goal is still relevant to our marketplace so yeah so there's no real time limit on it um, it's just what is fit for purpose for your yeah, business. But it is an opportunity just to make sure that you are aligning to um, what you intended to do as your business goal from the right uh, outside. Yeah, got it. So you you formed 2J 17
0: years ago and, and you'd have had a vision yeah. for what that looked like. And how has that vision evolved over time? What was it originally? And and in comparison to what it is now?
1: Yeah, surprisingly, um, that's quite scary when you say 17 years, isn't it? But yeah, surprisingly, it's not changed that much. Um, the reason I recently got into it was probably like most people that uh, set up their own business. It was born out of frustration. Uh, so frustration that um, at the time I was in, uh, in corporate employment and I was finding a lot of L&D providers were not very flexible, not listening, not understanding my precise needs as a client and just delivering off-the-shelf packages that didn't fit my purpose. So born out of that frustration um, was a need to do something different and and to be flexible and to be adaptable and to make sure that it wasn't a a kind of sheep-dip approach to uh, what clients wanted. So, yeah, that's still true now. Um, I still go into clients and uh, hear horror stories about some. The previous supplier would only do it their way. And um, when they wanted any change, there was no flexibility. So um, there's still people out there offering that kind of it's our way or the highway kind of approach. And that's music to my ears because our flexibility means that we can um, adapt and uh, provide customers with what they need and what they want as well. Of course
0: yeah and then and then that gives you the ability to sort of be agile and dynamic to to sort of fit into those needs and with regards to your clients have as your your client base remained quite similar
1: over time or or has the the client base evolved to who you target? Yeah it's, it's kind of evolved and uh, again I was asked uh, a while ago in terms of who's your who's your client base um, well basically anyone <laughs> and yeah. that's such a broad brush because Anyone, be it a micro business or be it a global international company who has a need to develop the skill sets is a potential customer to us. Um, Be that soft skills, um, be that management leadership, be that uh, technical skills. Anyone that has a development need team-wise, individual-wise, organisational-wise, is a potential client for us. So that has seen us um, cover all sectors. Um, So public sector, private sector, um, international, as we say, right down to one-man bands. The flip side of that, um, that does make marketing quite difficult because um, different clients have different um, touch points. And um, from a marketing point of view, um, ensuring that you're uh, aligning to them uh, through the right mediums uh, is, is quite difficult at times. Yeah, absolutely, and that,
0: I'm glad you raised marketing, especially when we talk around goals. Because um, one of the things that I found, as a, as a, in comparison to you, very much wet behind the ears and still very green and learning as a business, um, as as a self-employed person and in business, and and knowing my goal, knowing my customer. Um, they're, they're kind of two areas of that plan, and then and then within that plan, you have to work out how you're going to target and contact and speak to your customer, and and what sort of language you're going to use and how you're going to frame that, what channels to use. And actually, if you're not if you're not really clear on your goal, um, I think you said earlier around being all things to all people, you you have this challenge where you can just bury and sink so much money, can't you? And there's so many marketing gurus will go, hey, 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 you know, they, when you go and speak to them with your problem, and and surprisingly enough they've got the solution to that problem and it's whatever product or service it is they're
1: offering. Yeah, I I learned um, very early on, and and this shows how long we've been in business really, but one of the the first things I ever did was um, place an advertisement in the yellow pages. Like I say, it was a long time ago. I don't think anyone uses yellow pages (laughs) anymore. But um, I spent uh, a fair bit of money placing this advertisement in the yellow pages and uh, I just sat and waited and waited and waited and no one came to me at all. And it was pretty soon that I realised that that wasn't the right avenue to go through. It's still true today. We, we find that the majority of our business comes from word of mouth, networks, testimonials, social recommendations, rather than cold advertising. And that kind of links into uh, again another element that people buy on trust. And um, if they see an advertisement, they don't know anything about you. They don't know your background. You don't know your work or your credibility of the Yellow Pages advert that we had, they're not going to buy into that. So, yeah, so in terms of marketing, we, we tend to focus more on the recommendations, the networks and the connections uh, that we've had from existing clients and, and leveraging that, really.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting. I, I did a review after our first full year of, of the, the invoices i'd made and, and the, the the business that i'd made um in the first year and interestingly and similar to you i I'd, I'd, I'd come out of a corporate background too um, with similar frustrations and and had catered a product and a service to to match that and uh, yeah interestingly in our first year seventy five percent of my income was from people that I already knew they' people that already knew me um and and were, were happy to deal with me so um, I find that very very interesting and actually all, all that time i was spending money and and working really, really hard on a marketing effort. And actually, potentially, I could have really focused much more on on, on my customer and the people I knew and actually actually did more with that. So, okay, brilliant. Thank you. So, f- first of all, knowing your goal. The, the, the second area we wanted to discuss was being passionate about your product or your service. So, you know, believing in the value and the benefits of what it is that you offer. Um, are you able to just sort of expand on that for me, please, Lee?
1: Yeah, I mean, the the title kind of speaks for itself a little bit, but um, it also follows on from the the marketing aspect that you just talked about. If you don't believe, passionately believe in your product and the benefits that it can bring about for your customers, then that will come across in how you uh, speak, your language, how you articulate and how you subsequently sell and you know as well as I do if you've got a a monotone dreary kind of salesperson in front of you that is saying yes my product will help you it'll be fantastic you're not going to buy into that not going to buy into that at all you've got to have some belief and some passion around um, what you're offering and uh, the subsequent benefits that it can uh, provide to those customers and that's quite easy for me because um, in terms of learning developments out of my own personal profile is that I like to help others Um, so if you go into psychometric tools I'm a blue green in terms of SDI but that's all about um, wanting to uh, get your satisfaction from helping others so I'm in my ideal job in terms of um, it ties in with my own motivational values my products my company live that for me and that's why I'm hence so passionate and knowing that we can actually add value to our customers because our products are right um, they're going to be suitable and um, they're of high quality high excellence and they will add value to people
0: yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you can feel the passion when you speak about it, and that—that's uh, you, you can see why that is successful when when you do speak to prospective customers because you can see when that passion comes through, and especially with with people when they come through now. And when, when I speak to people and I say, you know, what, what's what's your USP? What is special about what you do? And and I often hear. Well, it's me because I do it, and it's good, and it's good because I do it. And I'm like, okay, well, yeah, that's that's all good, but maybe that's not going to quite wash just yet. So we need to we need to think a bit more about what it is that's so uh, that's so good about what you uh, what you've got. But yeah, absolutely, being passionate about your product, I um, I love what I do too, and uh, I love helping people as well. Interesting that you mentioned Total SDI though. Uh, there's obviously lots
1: of uh, yeah. other profiling tools out there and what have you. Um, what 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 color are you, Lee? Uh, Yeah, so uh, in terms of Total SDI, I report um, blue-green, which is interesting in itself because that goes back to um, the marketing thing that we talked about before because for those of you that that know Total SDI, that subsequently means my blind spot is my red, and the red's very much about um, the the kind of uh, direct action, being proactive, and and, um, particularly focusing on um, the sales side of things. Um, That doesn't mean that I don't sell, um, but it just means the way that I sell links into the blue green which is about the relationships helping other people which as i say goes back to the network conversations so yeah i'm I, through my career i've been lucky enough to to um get exposure to lots of different analysis tools uh, like you say, there's quite a lot on the market. Um, but that awareness, that understanding, being able to apply that back into your business and how you act and how you apply um, the, the theory into uh, tangible concepts is quite important. So, yeah, I've, I've benefited twofold from that because it's the product that we sell. Um, and I've also been able to apply it to ourselves in terms of how we operate and how we align ourselves.
0: Okay. So so do you offer Total SDI, Lee? Is that, is that the one you've chosen?
1: Uh, you know, not just the one. Yeah, we do total SDI, but we're also MBCI, NLP. Um, there's so many out there. Bellbin, DISC. Yeah. I, I could reel them all off. Um, yeah. Part of um, part of being in business for so long is that you do tend to pick up quite a lot of tools. I, I'm always um, i reminding uh, my associates of the fact that tools are great, um, but each of them has different aspects to it. So if you just uh, align yourself to to one tool. So, for example, you're picking up a hammer, everything starts looking like a nail. So the more tools you have, the more flexibility you have to deliver the appropriate solution to the situation. So that's why we kind of are aware and we utilize lots of different things because customer situations are not all the same. So sometimes they might benefit from a total SDI another organization may benefit from MBTI another from disk etc etc depending precisely on what they are needing and that goes back to the, the earlier point in terms of just listening and adapting um, to what customers need rather than what you yes. think need yeah,
0: I, I must admit, I think I think the first the first test I ever did was uh, Belbin, and then and then yeah. since I've done Total SDI and various others, interestingly, flagships red, and I'm I'm very red across all of them. Um, but it's cut. So, it's quite... <laughs> Sorry. Well, that's interesting because, like I say, two J's is blue, which is my <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, it, and and it is very interesting how when you when you I found that there's varying answers and varying quality of impact, I suppose, of, of what they have, and it's as as ever it's horses for courses and like you say, having that flexibility to have the right solution for the right client at the right time as well, because at one time it might be one and at one time it may be another, it's not yep. something flagship offer It's something that we would, you know, i speak to yourself over um, and, and, and we'd work together on on a project like that because it's not, really the niche that i focus on however i do i definitely see the value in them and and personally you know very early on my personal development journey when i when i learned about being um a shaper as belbin um and 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 i think it's shaper for belbin actually i just want to double check that but i think it is (laughs) Um, and and then and then it corresponded to 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 red and what have you and realizing that about myself and i would i would say that to, to anyone who's listening that that possibly hasn't done it it's not black and white, but at the same time, you you start to understand others' perception of you. You can understand how you work within a team and how you interact with other people. And having that level, more than anything, the benefit is having the self-awareness, isn't it? Because yeah, we can be, we can fulfill all the roles because we are dynamic and agile human beings. But it's just understanding that preference that's so important
1: and how, how we just, our triggers and how we'll react to those. Would you agree with that? Absolutely spot on. The word you uh, hit the nail on the head there um, is is preference. Uh, And what is, again, a bit of a bugbear from some organisations that go in and do these uh, psychometric tools, dynastic tools, is they, they leave people feeling that they've got a label And that's all they can be. And that's not the case at all. You're absolutely right. It's just awareness around your preference. It's not so much the the color or the letter type or the way you sit on a grid, etc. It's what you subsequently do with that awareness. As you say, when you're interacting with other people, when you're conscious of how you're coming across or you're looking at... uh, Applying a different style to get the better out of a situation it's just that awareness really that those tools and that's all they are, are just just tools and frameworks of understanding how you subsequently apply them yeah absolutely and and, uh, and also uh, i always find interesting is
0: is how you can move amongst them often as well. And how, um, you know, when I found out that I was very red, my style automatically changed because I was almost compensating for it. So, uh, yes, it's it's, it's very interesting. So, brilliant. Um, Being being passionate about what we do is so, so important. I I totally agree with that. Um, And and the third one that we were looking at was around being consistently adaptable, which I think is an absolutely brilliant one. It's not one that I've come across before,
1: but but I totally agree. So, yeah, tell us a bit more about that, Lee. Yeah, it's, um, it's almost a contradiction in its title, isn't it? Co- consistently adaptable. Yeah, I, I have uh, to craft these kind of phrases and then wonder where they come from. But um, it, it's a reflection on, um, again, how we've done business since we started. Um, I've never been one to say no to clients because I was pretty sure that if the client was after something, um, even though I couldn't potentially uh, deliver it personally through my network, through uh, our associates, I was pretty sure that we could offer a solution. So as I say, instead of saying no, it was always, yep, believe that with me and adapting and uh, subsequently providing the solutions. But over time, it's it's evolved more than that. It's about um, your emotional intelligence. It's about understanding how to um, adapt and behave differently uh, with different clients, different situations and different circumstances. And again, that just uh, follows on from what we were just talking about, the the relationship awareness that uh, we just mentioned with some of those psychometric tools. Understanding uh, your almost your default, your preference style, um, but recognising that's not always the most appropriate style to have in all situations. So having the mindset, the emotional intelligence, the ability to move between those styles and be adaptable, um, is important for those ongoing client relationships. I think that the, the extreme of that, and sometimes where people get it wrong, is um, trying to please all the people all the time, which it's not about. Um, but it is just about being flexible. So showing that you're adaptable, you're flexible. Most of the feedback that we get seems to centre on that's what um, clients like about our style and our approach that we are uh, adaptable. So um, if they come to us with a brief on X. Things change, it turns into why. That's not a problem. We we can just adapt and we can uh, still work to achieve what they need to do.
0: Yeah, sorry, I was on mute then. I I had a bird flying over. I didn't I didn't know if you could hear it, so I thought I'd better <laughs> mute. Um yeah, so um I, I I totally agree with being being consistent with that thought. So such an important thing. You know, I find that Whenever a customer says something, the answer is always yes, isn't it? It's always yeah. yes. And then, right, let's build the parachute on the way down, so to speak. Um, but, but probably probably not so much that, but more, like you say, build it. You know, those skills where we build relationships with customers, it's also about building our network and and having a collaborative mindset as well, isn't it? Because whilst yeah. on the one hand, people may be a competitor in some elements, actually they may offer something slightly different to what you do, just understanding um, understanding how
1: how you can serve each other and and, and be adaptable for each other. Yeah, that, that's a really good point. I just i to pick you up on that because um, I think one of the things that I've learned, again, from being in business, is that um, actually you can't operate in isolation. And again, when I first started, uh, I was told, why why would you want to set up a business? It's a, a busy market already. There's so many competitors out there, you, you'll struggle. But actually, once I got over that mindset that they're not competitors, they are potential collaborators, it's a whole different ballgame. And you know that because we've, uh, we've collaborated on a, a few projects as well. Um, and you know that we have within our networks, people that we've uh, collaborated with as well. You benefit mutually. So if we hadn't have done those collaborations, you're potentially limiting the opportunity to get business or to get into organizations. So I fully agree that recognizing collaboration rather than competitors is definitely a way forward.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I totally agree with that. And 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 one of the things that I thought when, when you'd mentioned about adaptability as well was we we've probably both seen now, and and certainly in in your time, you've, you you you'll have seen vast changes in economy and and customer needs and and what have you, and, and various changes. And I'm sure that you've had to adapt over over that period of time to to a great extent despite your vision remaining the same and, and essentially that solution remaining very similar the way through. Actually the way you approach it will have needed to change. But right now we face and to coin a term that I hear way too much, but unprecedented, we are in an unprecedented time. And I know that we actually we've collaborated previously on a video around the, the current climate and what businesses need to do and what have you. But I've been quite interested and surprised certainly by seeing some people and and some businesses approach some some are burying their head in the sand, some have been automatically very very adaptable to change um what's sort of your insight on that lee
1: yeah it's it's an interesting one i think um again we've seen similar things not maybe to this extent um over the years and i think there's a a balance to be struck between jumping on the bandwagon um, which i see a lot of companies doing particularly in our field of uh, learning and development where There seems to be almost a uh, a gold rush mentality to get onto online learning where they hadn't done that before. I think whilst that may be appropriate in some situations, the speed that some organizations are trying to do that, it's not actually beneficial for them and they just get lost in the masses doing exactly that. The alternative, um, doing nothing, is also not a strategy as well. Hoping it will pass, um, hope is never a strategy Um, So you do need to be aware of what's going on in your market. You do need to um, be taking the right approaches um, and adapting uh, accordingly. But it's measured adaptability. Personally, from from my point of view, um, I've always kind of checked what's happening uh, in in the playing field, checked what um, other organizations are doing. But still bearing in mind what the consumer needs, um, they talk currently, um, it's very interesting because as we are just coming out of, it appears we're just coming out of lockdown and organisations going back to work, we're expecting to see organisations re-engage more with the learning and development side of things historically in the last six seven eight weeks whilst we have been in the in the crisis that we've been in all these organizations that have jumped on to um, offering online learning and development still offering the proposition but just in a different format maybe haven't been successful because the client isn't buying because the clients themselves are still focused on their own cash flow the are surviving their understanding of, of how their playing field looks at the moment Yep. So um, it's just being responsive in the right way at the right time, and sometimes that means that you resist the temptation of jumping on the bandwagon. Just seeing how things play out a little bit before you then apply your uh, adapted strategy. Yeah, I, uh, I, I couldn't I couldn't
0: agree with your your outlook on that more. To be honest certainly flagship offer online courses and we have mandatory online training that, that we've had prior to COVID-19 um, and I've seen it as an opportunity to, to push those. However, actually it's probably only in the last week or so I've started to see orders and, and that's because despite what I offer, the client isn't ready for it or, yeah. or for whatever reason for, for, for whatever that is. And and it, it really resonated with me because as a, as a driver CPC training provider um, and part of the mandatory offering that we do, um, which is obviously quite niche. However, we had the opportunity quite early on to um, the DVSA, uh, the Driver Vehicle Standards Agency, who underwrites CPC for, for professional drivers and, and the awarding body, JALP. Uh, they actually approved online training for so Zoom training online. Um, and, and this was unprecedented. It was the first time that they'd ever brought that for us to market. Interestingly, it was quite a challenging thought process for me to, to go through because the reality of that is it's, it's a mandated seven hour training session yeah. online on Zoom. Uh, with with drivers and um, you know I'm not being disrespectful when i say that a lot of hgv and psv drivers probably technical skills probably isn't isn't their skill set from a from an it point of view you know they do have their own skill set but but it may not be it and there were the, were demands around the type of device that was used to make sure that it was correct and there was other restrictions put in place, which were around if the driver, say, came back from a break a few minutes late, they might have had IT issues, but they yeah. might be six hours into that seven-hour course, made that investment, made that time investment, but then couldn't get back on for whatever reason and had a panic, they'd have to resit again. So I was yeah. sort of like, there's a lot of restrictions here. I'm not sure it feels right. It doesn't feel feel really right to me. However, a lot of my competitors or not necessarily people that I see as competitors, but people who have a similar offering and do offer yeah. CPC. They're, they're out there, they're doing it. They've dropped their rates really low. Um, and it's yeah. it's almost like, like you say, a gold rush. And it's interesting, I took a contrarian approach to that. So I was like, right, that's it, I'm not going to do it. And actually what I am going to do is I'm going to ring every single one of my clients and I'm going to speak to them and I'm going to explain to them why I'm not doing it. And that the key reason behind not doing it, despite all of those limitations I've just mentioned, the other was... Transport itself is a highly varied sector. You know, I've got guys who deliver cars on the back of car transporters through to house removals companies, to tanker companies that move, you know, the, the, the crap that's produced by um, food waste and then they put it to land. And all of those companies will face their own challenges at this time. You know, one of, those car transporters are a quarter of a million pounds and they're parked up because cars aren't moving. That business owner, the last thing he's thinking about is wanting to buy a £40 per person online CPC
1: course off me. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> but actually, so what, what they will do, they'll appreciate you having made contact with them, just checking in, just letting them know what is available when they're ready. And that's the key thing, I think.
0: And, and, and that's absolutely right. And the conversation's been around... I'm not offering online CPC because actually do you know what I'd rather, I'd rather give my time and advice freely to help you steer through this situation and if I'm here to help from a compliance point of view or you know understanding what it's going to look like and if you want help with business plan moving forward you know I don't know their business as well as they do but I can offer a set and second second set of eyes it just felt right and actually the, the, the feedback I've had is like Pete actually you understand what we do and, and that you're not just taking an opportunity to try and sell us more stuff um, yeah. so I think, I think right. that's important. So it's a balance, isn't it, when, when we talk about adaptability, for sure.
1: Yeah, and I think that that credibility that subsequently comes with that because, um, again, I I see a lot of uh, organisations, like you say, trying to get into um, surviving themselves and and dropping their prices and just kind of uh, keeping the the revenue coming through. But the marketing or the way they're doing it is maybe not that ethical or or kind of coming across that um, they are not that uh, concerned about the actual consumer. They're more concerned about their own interests. Um, And as a result, um, maybe seem to be exploiting the situation. Now, that kind of breaks the trust that breaks the credibility and um, ultimately that that kind of will have a long-term impact on the subsequent business going forward as opposed to what you're doing or or did with that client as you just explained where offering services for free showing that you've got a genuine interest in them and their business and their situation I guarantee you that will have longevity for you in a particular client relationship they'll uh, respect that they'll trust that and they'll engage with you again appropriately in the future. Yeah, no, I appreciate that, Lee. Thank you.
0: What, With regards, um, and just sort of before before we move on to the fourth area, online training for you, and, and we don't really do leadership development. Um, if, if, if we were to, we'd, we'd, we'd speak to you about that. So with, um, with that, how do you see that happening for you? Because it's a challenge for us right now with our mandatory training, like first aid, for example. I genuinely don't know what that looks like now. There's so much touching mannequins involved breathing um we, we, you've yep. been on one of our courses um thank you very much but it's um you know it's mind-boggling to actually see how that's going to fit uh,
1: moving forward so how do you see the landscape changing for you taking into account online yeah and no, it's, it's a very good point because um Similar to, to your first aid courses, um, all of our leadership, team building um, was all centred around experiential learning. So when, again, practical exercises um, for certainly some of our team building, actual team exercises as well. Uh, so it's an interesting challenge, as you say, going forward. Uh, I think there's a lot of, of talk in the media at the moment about the the new normal. And I think uh, this will be with us for, for some time. And I don't think we'll get totally back to how things were previously. So again, it goes back to adapting accordingly for us and, and how that's looking at the moment. I foresee that as a bit of a blend going forward. So um, as and when the situation will allow us to get back in the classroom, which hopefully it will will still offer that services in the interim and also as an ongoing service, we will be looking at applying online processes or remote learning processes still offering the same courses. But um, as you well know, probably more so for for my generation, um, technology has moved on. So the interactivity that you're able to achieve through remote learning has massively increased from when we started 17, 18 years ago. Um, So there is still that opportunity for experiential engagement um, through the remote learning, and uh, we are putting a series of courses together um, that enable that interactivity through. Direct webinar conversations such as this, um, remote assignments, um, discussion forums, one-to-ones, all done over webinars um, remote systems video learning I think there are more and more people that will be now au fait with that as approach to development where maybe six months 12 months ago that wouldn't have been on their radar but this circumstance has forced people to get more comfortable with the use of technology and the more, uh, the use of more remote learning I don't think you'll totally go away from face-to-face contacts because um there's the principle of the, the hidden learning and you've probably experienced this from, from your courses that actually at the coffee break or the lunch break or in the corridor, um, the conversations that take place there when you're face-to-face can be just as valuable as whilst you're in the classroom. Um, so what's the discussion going on on the online learning? Um, I think there'll always be a place for face-to-face but yes, um, we are adapting. Um, we're adding more courses online um, therefore creating learning on demand opportunities. So Uh, our work times being as flexible as they are people finding the time rather than committing to a set time during a day will enable more flexible opportunities for learning
0: yeah i I think that's a a fantastic point on on demand learning is is a fantastic opportunity for people Um, and i think i think a blended approach is probably the right terminology to use moving forward Um, I, i think there's certainly challenges, certainly for me, I don't know whether you feel it, but other people I speak to do. When, you're, when you are online meeting like this, we're, we're together and we're having a conversation, but there, there's not the energy flow like there is normally. And that, that's such an important part of, of classroom learning and, 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 and learning from other people and relationship building and building trust as well, like you say, team building wow, I couldn't even imagine, I can't even start to comprehend how you would actually land team building specifically on online. That must be, you know, that, that that's a real a real headache to try and overcome.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it's, uh, well, you know, as well as I do, in terms of just having a meeting with more than five or six people on Zoom can be quite challenging in terms of uh, mute buttons and kind of people being <laughs> aware of what's going on. So yeah. um, managing, managing a team like that, um, it's doable and we've done it, uh, but it just requires separate focus. So you'll be familiar with um, classroom training setting uh, ground rules or historically setting ground rules about switching mobile phone off etc etc it's just a different um, kind of environment so you still set ground rules with regard to uh, the the remote learning just so that you are sure that people understand the process and how to engage appropriately are familiar with the technology Um, and once that's there once people get more familiar with uh, the use of it um, it's not as difficult as it as it may come across but uh but yeah i think blended is, is definitely the way forward Yeah, perfect.
0: Okay, so moving on to the fourth one, Lee, uh, living customer-centric values, such an important part of business, and actually really understanding our customer. There's so many businesses out there where the leader may be fantastic, the business concept may be great, but actually, it's all about the customer, isn't
1: it? Yeah, I I totally agree. And um, again, going back to the point I mentioned before, you you can't operate as a business um, unless you have customers. Uh, It is fundamental to ensure that you've got that relationship right with your consumer. And again, that that fundamentally goes back to the trust. We spend a lot of time working on our relationships. We mentioned before about listening to our needs of our customers, uh, offering advice and guidance, sometimes um, off topics um, that we're not really uh, designed to to kind of answer, but just being a sounding board at times to to clients enables us to develop that relationship and and that um, that connection. I think off the back of that as well, once you've started to establish those connections, it's then what you do with that information, that relationship. So uh, CRM system, client relationship management systems uh, are good for retaining data and retaining kind of records. But it's what you are recording, what you're utilising. So showing a genuine interest in your customer, knowing when their birthday is, what their favourite football team is, um, what their hobbies and interests are, goes beyond the product that you're actually delivering, and you are creating a relationship. And it's that relationship that stands the test of time. Um, I mean, we've had clients. Um, customers that we did a piece of work for i think, I think the longest one we had was a cambridge um, architects organization where we did a piece of work for them in the second year of being in business didn't hear anything else from them and then 12 years later they came back and said oh can you just do that piece of work for us that you did 12 years ago like, wow. Wow. incredible, <laughs> incredible. Oh, yeah well done <laughs> um but it's, it's that connection. So you make an impact. Um, you, you make a, a kind of uh, a trust, a pact, as it were. You deliver high quality, and um, you may not be able to get repeat business day in, day out, etc. But if you've done the right thing, you've um, you've lived your values by being honest, trustworthy. Giving the customer what they needed, um, that stays with customers. And um, yeah, that, that, I'm not sure what the record is, but uh, 12 years, we were quite impressed that a client came back and remembered us and the work that we did from 12 years ago. Uh, that's that's fantastic. So uh, that is
0: incredible, really. I think I'd be absolutely delighted if that happens with flagship in the future. Um, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Living the customer value. I, I used to work for a uh, for a large vehicle manufacturer, and our, our vision as a as a smaller network within uk we had our sort of region and our, our regional vision was to be our customer's number one partner of choice um, and that was the terminology we used it. it obviously i'm sure you can explore how 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 businesses decide on what their vision and their value statements are and what have you however i had a i had a line manager quite interesting really he he'd been in the business a long period of time However, I think he had certain challenges when it came to his interpersonal skills. And uh, I had a customer who I really valued. I got on really, really well with. We, we had a workshop and we carried out work on their vehicles in the workshop. Actually, the margin for error is quite high. It's quite often that something might get delayed or there might be an issue, etc. And then that may raise a complaint. And part of that process in an organization like that is actually, we don't talk just about service, but it's about experience over time. You know, So it's this yeah. lifetime, lifetime service that we offer. It's a relationship and it's always building and it's almost like a bank balance. Sometimes you're in positive and actually if things go really bad, you, you sort of drop into negative. My uh, my line manager's thing was uh, he knew, the guy who owned that that company, he was into his motorbikes. So he'd just ring up every time something went wrong and he made a complaint. He'd just ring up and go, how's your motorbike? Are you getting out on your motorbike this weekend? And I'd then get the feedback from the client going, I couldn't give a F about my <laughs> motorbike. I just want it fixing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, I, 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 it, whenever whenever we talk about customers, I have loads of stories like that that just come up, and it just makes me chuckle because it's so important, like you say, that we know and value them individually, and we understand hobbies and what have you. But actually, there there are leaders out there in businesses who think that that will overcome delivering
1: a poor service and 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 it won't will it no it's you're absolutely right and um hiding behind that that kind of that friendship as it were and still delivering a shoddy service is not going to get you anywhere um it's it's almost like the door opener um and the kind of relationship uh continuer but um you're right you, you still have to and fundamentally living the values is Delivering the service uh, as well, yeah. I mean, bigger organisations than ours have fallen foul of that in, in the past, promising and then under delivering. You need to make sure that you are able to ensure you're meeting the customers' needs, but you're still being true. And um, it goes back right to the very first point: knowing your goals, knowing your values. I was quite fortunate, I think, in terms of our strapline. Yeah, I came up with about 17 years ago, like I say enabling for tomorrow's achievements which kind of summarizes everything that we're about we're, we are all about enabling others to achieve their goals i'm not quite sure the brainstorming session i had to uh, to come up with that but um, it kind of uh, still resonates now all these years ago and it fits in with our beliefs and our values and, and what we're all about well,
0: i find that incredible that, that it's that timeless that the strapline and 2j's as a business 17 years on special stuff okay Brill, so customer-centric value is really really important just moving on as leader in our businesses um, the, the fifth area about CPD continuing professional development so um, yeah th- tell me a bit more about that and, and, and sort of what your thoughts are
1: yeah well as I said before um, knowing your product is one thing uh, knowing your service that adaptability uh, things change all the time in order to give your clients the best possible solution then you need to be keeping abreast of current thinking best practice Legislation, even in order to ensure that you are providing the right solutions in a timely way, in an accurate way for them, and the only way to do that is to continually develop yourself. So, yes, there's um, I think what most business organisers do is, is keep abreast of their market, read trade magazines, watch the news, etc. But actually, developing your skill set yourself and ensuring that you've got a sharp awareness of the the new approaches the new styles um, as I'm learning as well currently technology <laughs> zoom um, is very topical at the moment but being okay with those things if I'm completely honest six months ago 12 months ago if, if I'd have been asked to set up a zoom meeting with a client I would not have had a clue it's relevant now and um, it's how you ensure that you are developing your skills in order to provide the best possible service. Um, Now, that can be technical skills, just about Zoom. It can be more professional qualifications, getting more awareness, uh, as I say, around models, tools, thinking, gurus. Um, There's so much out there. I think the challenge really is almost prioritising that um, and looking at what is going to add value to you, which you can then subsequently, as a business provider, pass on. Um, Now, I know you're a great reader because I I see your kind of reading lists and and kind of thinking and stuff. So I guess it kind of goes back to you in terms of what's chosen or what's what's the reason you've chosen those particular books to, to read at this time as part of your professional development?
0: Yeah, wow. Well, that's uh, there we go. Uh, approach your turn, gamekeeper. There. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> um, I do read a lot. I do. I do read an awful lot. I'm I'm involved in a business book club. I uh, I've I've always well for the past ten years I've had an Audible subscription, and every month it's a new book, and then I I, I read on top of that too. So I would say I'm I'm not prolific in that it's one or two books a week but it's certainly one to two a month um, and how I decide on those is once you open your mind to, to reading and the development that's available it, it's almost like the information it'll just flow by you but when you're aware of it you just go yeah I'm going to grab that and I'll, I'm going to grab that and it comes up and you know at, at the moment i I'm reading a book. It's actually by 50 Cent. Um, I'm probably only about 10 pages in because I keep falling asleep and that's probably no reflection at all on the book itself. Um, but it's uh, it's by 50 Cent and it's about fearlessness. And I'm in the process now of having a bit of a re- review of the business and, and actually flagship is going to be evolving in the near future a little bit and i have been a little bit scared and sometimes it's very interesting how a book will find you just at the time and i I don't even know how that works i'm not a big you know i'm I'm not uh, a big person of faith or anything like that but for some reason always when you need a book and you it will just be there and you'll start reading it and you'll be like, oh my God, this is what I needed right now. Um, and uh, and I find that absolutely fascinating. I've, I've recently read a couple of good ones. Uh, they Ask You Answer, which is a really great book about how from a marketing point of view, if you give your clients as much information as possible, and actually it's good to look at what competitors do and tell them what competitors are doing and what you're doing and why you're doing it. And frequently asked questions, certainly in, in the field that I'm in where things are quite technical and there's Compliance based stuff, the more I give the customer, the better informed they can be that we're the right solution for them. And uh, which is actually a little bit of a tip on past. Background and the training that I'd had previously. You know, I had, I had a lot of value based selling training um, when I worked for, for the Blue Chip Company. The, the price was never, it was always the last thing that we discussed. So it would be a fact find about what the client needs were. And with literally, I'd specify a solution to meet all of those needs and why they'd be met. And then the last thing would be the price because the, the idea behind that would be as long as I'd done the correct fact find. Yeah, literally, literally I've got the perfect solution and and the price then doesn't matter. And actually that book, it just sort of started to change. There's a bit of a paradigm shift for me around actually a real transparent pricing structure, even if it's a a from price to give like an idea that, okay, I will cater exactly what you need. And it'll be from this can, can help inform a customer. Otherwise, at the moment, the challenge we've got, and like you say, especially with CPD, there's a wealth of information out there on the internet. And some of it is good and some of it is total garbage. And you've got to sift through that. And actually the people get frustrated if they haven't got the information when they need it, because there's such a wealth, they
1: will go somewhere else to find it. And, that, and that's probably a big, big thing for me. So, yeah, I totally agree. And, and going back to the comment that I said before about some of the psychometric tools, that if you've only got one book or one uh, knowledge in your in your bag then you become very limited in what kind of advice and the, the consultancy advice that we get involved with our clients uh, it limits your your appeal I, I agree i think there's so much out there though and therein lies the challenge being able to to sift through the real value adding one so i, I tend to stick with um authors that i, I know or, or respect so sinek is a good word as I mentioned before, uh, Lencioni uh, is uh, another one that we often uh, read or I refer to as well. But there's lots of information out there. I also have my my governing body, same as you, CIPD. So, again, it's kind of uh, keeping uh, abreast of what uh, CIPD, Chartered Institute of Personal Development, uh, are doing and uh, making sure that we're aware of current thinking and and their tools and their availability to support organisations and uh, individuals as well. But, yeah, it's a, it's a challenge. It's about finding the time, especially yeah. when you're running a business as well. But I think the mistake that a lot of business owners and, and uh, leaders make is that it's an additional task. It should be part of business as usual, developing your skill set, because it subsequently becomes your, your proposition. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I, it's such an
0: important part of, of, certainly for me, what I do. Um, and, uh, and actually, it kind of leads me on, because your, your question around how do I decide which books to read, Well, actually, I have. I have mentors, and I have people that I look up to who are more experienced in business. You're one of them, Um, and and I've surrounded myself. You know, we've been running nearly two years now, and I've got two or three, four people who i look up to they're they're more experienced they've they've done the things that i'm looking to do maybe slightly differently there's variations but you know and i then follow well what are you reading and what have you read and what do you recommend and and then you start to fill your heads with the the information that they've had and and interestingly what just quickly on books still what i find really interesting is i will revisit books and uh, i did recently with with simon Sinek. yeah and, and actually, as my life evolves and as my journey evolves, when I revisit that book, it means something new to me and i I find hidden depth in it that I didn't find previously so uh, that's a big recommendation often to actually just revisit uh books that you've read previously because you will get new 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 information from there but uh, this leads you on to the final point the, the the half dozen point the the last one and and that's where I'm getting a mentor Lee. so tell me a bit more about that
1: yeah I- Going right back to my earliest memories, um, going back to my school days, uh, I learned very early on that um, why try and reinvent the wheel? (laughs) So if someone else has been there, done it, got the T-shirt, why should I try really, really hard, potentially banging my head against the wall when actually I could just listen and learn from someone else that's been there, been through the pain, um, has got a wealth of experience, and if they're willing to share that and to stop me making the same mistakes – then why wouldn't I actually tap into that? So I think the, the concept of, of having a coach or a mentor uh, has been with me for for as long as I can remember, but even more so in business. Going into business, um, although my father ran his uh, small business, I had little awareness as to what that actually involved. There wasn't, back in the day, um, that many reading materials saying, there you go, an idiot's guide to running a business, I think as some of the, uh, the books show now. It wasn't that in place. So um, yeah, being able to tap into a mentor and actually having different mentors as you evolve. Um, I've had in my career now as a business owner, five different coaches and mentors because they offer different things, at uh, different stages of your career, your business, uh, their insights. Uh, so it's not about getting one coach and just sticking with that person all the way through. It's um, it's looking at what different people can add to you and give you advice and guidance on. And I think that never stops. I'm, I'm getting closer and closer to retirement, um, but I'm still keen to learn from others, still keen to understand um, their experience and how I can use that awareness and understanding in my situation and my business as well. So that my business carries on Um, so yeah always always keen to learn from others and listening to the right people with the right experience is is crucial yeah absolutely and and
0: and and actually it it kind of reverts back to the cpd and it's fairly interlinked. because um i I had an interesting conversation with a friend the other day and uh, we we were talking about books and and actually some people some people are actually successful by accident and it's not through learning from mistakes and, and what have you sometimes there's just a situation where right person, right place, it's success. It's easy, and actually, there, there's no there's no law against those people. Then writing a book, and, and sometimes actually, there, there's poor quality information there. So there isn't it isn't always fantastic. However, with with a mentor, it's so important that you find someone. You know, in in my case, me speaking to you, for example, 17 years, similar game, similar game, seen changes up and down financially, different economies, yep. the technical evolution over that time. And and still having that sustainability well actually what a good opportunity for for someone to learn from um, regardless that i do you know we, we both do training but my type the type of training that i do is completely different to an, and a different customer base then, then that's fine but actually it's just understanding the general principles that can be learned and, and learning vicariously from mistakes because and and this is another thing i've picked up is that Often, oftentimes when people are new in business, they're going to need to pay for mentoring, they're going to need to pay for coaching. And actually the, the mind shift that you need to make there is around what's the cost of doing it wrong? Because you're going to make yeah. mistakes financially, it's going to cost you, it's going to cost you time, but also it's going to cost you loss of potential earnings in the time that you could have been
1: doing it correctly, having learned from that person. So, Yeah, I, I certainly agree. And I think um, I, I agree with that, to pay for good coaching and good mentoring, um, on the flip side of that, though, I also think there's an opportunity to to kind of pay back and you know this is well from conversations that we we had originally, and I've spoken to lots of people in similar situations that were starting the business and just wanting some initial advice and i've given my time freely to to give them some initial insights, and subsequently, when they go on to run their business again, they come back and and they then work as collaboration or give us leads or give us kind of information that can help us so I think that the, the payback mentality um, is useful as well well as kind of paid coaching and, and kind of paid mentoring um, and it's interesting you talk about um, anyone can write a book I think when I look for a good mentor or a good coach I look for those that have um, not just had success but have also had adversity and how they've dealt with that adversity as well Because I think that's the real test to be able to bounce back from that uh, is crucial. I think the real learnings come from when things fail and uh, when you recover from those failures. So, yeah, so I I look for that as an additional trait when I'm looking for a coach and a mentor someone that's been through, as you say, the ups and downs. Yeah, yeah absolutely it's uh the old set. Uh, say
0: one of the sounds that i've coined recently is you, you earn or you learn and sometimes the learning <laughs> yeah. can be as valuable as the earning element can't it <laughs> so, absolutely uh, yeah <laughs> yeah um well, i really appreciate you joining us today lee um thank you very much we've, we've been through your 16s fantastically insightful so i really appreciate it so lee how, how do people find you how, how do they follow you
1: moving forward yeah thanks thanks again love the opportunity to talk to you and share some of our thoughts um if people are interested to find out a little bit more about 2j's then we have uh, our website 2j's.co.uk uh, we have our resource center where we have our, a lot of our e-learning and our materials which is uh, 2j'shrstore.com uh, but we're on LinkedIn, I'm on LinkedIn, we've got a Facebook page, all the social media channels, Instagram, Twitter, uh, we're very prolific in terms of uh, uh, keeping up to date on social media. But yeah, get in touch, love to hear from people if they'd like to find out a little bit more about us. Uh, but again, thanks again for the opportunity, Pete, it's been a pleasure talking to you.
0: I really appreciate it, Lee, thank you very much. Um, and I do recommend people to get in touch with Lee, he's an absolute wealth of information, really supported me on my journey and uh, and and has been so supportive and there's an absolute wealth of information on his website loads of different online courses and there's a wealth of books that he's written and uh, and, and i introduced those at the beginning so yeah go, do go check it out anyway thanks for listening and we'll catch up again next week thank you so much for tuning in we really appreciate your time please do follow me at pete Rushmer on linkedin or on facebook follow flagship training uk and you can find us on youtube too at flagship uk